Well, good morning, guys. We're glad you're here. Have a seat. Have a seat. You know, one of the things I, uh, I think it's worth noting as men that have started this journey now several weeks ago, I guess 10 or 12 weeks, if you look around this room, you know, 10 weeks ago, there were a lot more men in this room. You remember that? And one of the first things we as men have to do in order to deepen in our love and knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ is to be committed. And so I want to celebrate each of you this morning for staying the course. I mean that sincerely. To grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, it takes purposeful, intentional time. And it takes something else that we just finished doing and that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this morning, and that's praying. So I just want to introduce myself. My name's Dean McFarlane. I serve as one of the elders here at Watermark, and uh, I, I would just tell you it's been one of the great, great privileges of my life to do so. Uh, I'm married to Tawny for the last 34 years, the God's provision and gift in my life. We have two children, Mac and Callie, who thankfully are married and both worship here. Sophie, Mac's wife, and Callie, Ryan's husband, are, have just been God's gift to the McFarlane family. It's been a rich relationship. I tell people all the time, our boat, the McFarland family boat floated higher when those two kids married into our family. So that's been a blessing. Uh, I'm in the real estate investment management business. That is something I'm, I'm passionate about and enjoy and have been doing for an awful long time. And in the way of hobbies, when I'm not chasing uh, grandkids around, Tony and I, we have five and two more on the way, which is awesome, y'all. It is awesome as uh, you young couples just keep pumping them out. It's really, really fun. <laughs> For, for us old people. Um, Hobby-wise, you know, when, when, again, when I'm not chasing grandkids, I love being in the mountains, especially Vail, Colorado, and hiking and, and biking and having fun. And, and then my wife and I love horses, and we have a little place out in Mineral Wells, Texas, so I like hanging out with her out there. So uh, let me just commit our time to the Lord this morning, and, and then we've got a lot to cover, and I think, it, I hope it'll be a blessing to you, because it has been uh, to me this week as I've been thinking through this. Well, Father, during this election season, it is, uh, it's just good to remember those who govern us as we pray. We pray for transformation in, in their lives, but especially, Lord, in our own. Father, just give us uh, each and the leaders who govern us ears to hear your wisdom, your guidance. Uh, help us to be more discerning, more courageous. Give us strength to carry out your direction in our life. We ask you, Father, just to Move in their hearts. Help them honor you as their highest authority. May, be that, may that be our prayer individually as well this morning. Father, we pray for wisdom and strength for our president, his cabinet, um, this administration. Protect his family, Lord. We ask that your wisdom penetrate the thoughts and decision-making process and processes of, of all those people who are in authority over us. We ask you instill in us and them just a keen awareness of the godly heritage of our country and what a gift this has been. And it's our responsibility to honor and preserve that. Lord, raise up godly leaders. May we be men that are passionately in love with you, Christ. Servant leaders who, uh, you know, just desire to give all of our lives for your glory. Help us, Lord, to raise up statesmen, not politicians. People that are just fully devoted to you, Christ. Not Republicans or Democrats, but wholly devoted followers of Jesus Christ. 
We ask, Lord, this morning for your transforming power to work in the lives of those who would deceive or divide or destroy our country. We ask for ourselves and for our leaders that you yield, that we would yield to your spirit, that we had to have a constant reminder of your goodness and your glory and your desire to spend time with us. Sovereign God over all creation, just we yield this morning to you. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, fellas, we're going to be in chapter 5 of James. We're winding up this book, and what a book it is. Uh, Chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Let me just remind you, each each of you, as I start, if uh, you've been around Watermark very long, October the 5th, uh, Todd did a whole morning on this chapter, and it's fabulous. He took a deep dive into this section of Scripture. Uh, It was the Walk the Line series, if you remember. A lot of Johnny Cash was played during that series. And uh, Todd just did a really great job and, and, and had a chance to spend a whole morning on this. And so I just refer you to that, watermarkmedia.org, and it's worth a listen. Uh, but I'm going to take a, a, a little larger view of, of this, um, a high-altitude look at this scripture this morning in the next 15 minutes or so. And just give you some observations that have been a blessing to me as I've worked through this. So let's dive in. Let me read the scripture. James five thirteen through 20, the prayer of faith. Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is both powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three years, three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, someone should bring that person back. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Well, as we've learned throughout Summit, a a really effective way to learn more about God's word is just ask yourself some probing questions. Who, what, when, where, why? Who wrote this? What were they writing about? When were they writing and to whom? And what's the application in my life? Well, very simply for me, my observations was the who is James, the prayer, uh, the, the what is the topic of prayer, the when is without ceasing, the where is everywhere, and the why is to strengthen and equip the believer for the work of God, that it might go well with us. And then for the application, just hang, up, hang around for just a few short minutes. Josh, hit that next slide for me. Let me give you a couple of, uh, well, let's go back one. Let's uh, talk about just personal reflections. I, wanna, I want you to hear just a few things that were really helpful to me. One is just confession. Although I've walked for, with Christ for almost 40 years, prayer is this, the, for me is one of the toughest things to get my arms around. Frankly, it's the weakest link of my own spiritual hardware. I continue to work on developing this ongoing conversation with the Lord. I want to hear from him more clearly and more regularly. 
I want to hear about the areas of my life that need to change. He, I know he wants to conform me to his image. Here are just a few of the learnings from James. This book is so practical. He is a realist, isn't he? That's what I love about James. He wants us to have a right view of God. But he warns us there's going to be trouble. He provides instruction along the way to help us navigate this highly broken world. We need to abide with Christ. John 16, you've heard it often. In this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. My personal sin struggles have manifested themselves over the years in three ways. Um, I like to control my circumstances. And when I don't control my circumstances, I get fearful. And when I get fearful, I often get angry. Is that cycle uh, familiar to anyone else? Really, if we're honest with ourselves, that's just a subset of what? Anybody know? Pride. It's just pride. I like what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And, and that is embarrassing, but it's truthful. And so the work of God in me is constantly evaluating how I need to change in those areas. But this book is chock full of things that help me with my personal struggles. Let me just reflect on a few. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, for a man's anger doesn't bring about the righteous life that God desires. Faith not accompanied by what? Action. It's dead. That's a dead faith. If we don't commit, if we don't honor God and stay the course. A friend of the world is an enemy of God. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Sound familiar over the last 10 weeks? I just can't get over how often that God uses his word to inspire, instruct, and encourage me. James is saying, Dean, Christian, this isn't going to be easy and you need to pray. You need to pray. I'm offering a better way. Will you take it? Let faith, not emotions, control you. And just, you, you should talk to the Lord. I mean, we talk to everyone. We have relationships every day that we're in conversation. Uh, our, our, if you're married, wives and kids and uh, friends, coworkers, why can't we have a conversation with the Lord of the universe? That's what he wants for us. And that's what we're gonna encourage each of us to do this morning. We've got to actively engage God in our daily decisions. That's challenging. It takes time to stop and reflect on God's word. Listen to his people. Yield to his spirit. Let's take that next slide now and and just talk about the context of this passage. Man, James beats this drum, doesn't he? That the right Christian behavior is here. It's available to us all. And here are some ways to attain it. James 2, 4 helped us see that uh, faith without works, it's impossible to please God. What a sobering thought. We've got to act on the faith that God instills in our lives. This book helps us with uh, a guiding principle, at least for me, and that the proof of the reality of our faith is a changed life. The proof of the reality of our faith is a changed life. Fellas, has your life changed the last 10 weeks? Have you asked yourself, have you done a ruthless moral inventory to discern whether you're changing? You know what? Person prideful, I don't like to change. I just don't. But I know God desires it for me. So I'm going to ask Brett or Kyle or Todd or Scott, hey, how am I doing? Have you seen me be more loving and caring to Tawny? Um, Have you seen me be more kind to my neighbors and friends? That's the man I want to be. Would you encourage me? 
Would you remind me that God's word is true and then I should adhere to it? Well, you've often heard, if you've been around Watermark very long, that this book is a, uh, not a book of information, but a book of transformation. God's using this, his word to directly penetrate our lives and teach us to what it means to honor and love him. Here's the big idea, and that for me is that how do we live our lives above reproach? That's the call on our lives. How do we do that? Well, for, for uh, most men, it's hard to do soul work. You know what soul work is? It's just asking yourself what your issues are and, and helping, asking for God's help to remake yourself, to reparent yourself, to act differently, to change. Tawny and I serve in the ministry of Reengage together, and you just get to see a lot of, of couples who are on various stages in their journey with, with each other and, and, frankly, some with the Lord and some without. But, but the number one thing that, frankly, is most attractive to me is, is not how broken their relationships are. It's what's their willingness to change. Some come in and they just, they got their arms crossed. They're sitting in there and go, all right, let's see if y'all can fix me. And I just tell them right off the bat, we're not in that business. Jesus is, but Tawny and I aren't. I mean, we're a mess just like you. And we need Christ every day for our marriage to honor the Lord. But this is not about tips and techniques. This is about you yielding to the Lord of the universe to praying, praying expectantly for him to change you. And, and in that way, he'll change your marriage. So what is soul work? It's just reflection. That's just what I said. It's repentance. It's confession, and, which leads us to repentance. It's reconciliation. We as Christians, that should be the call on our life, to reconcile relationships. And it's challenging. I've got some relationships in my life right now that, that need reconciling, just one in particular. And I'm praying daily for that relationship, that we could um, just see more clearly each other's perspective and come to an agreement. We need to remit our lives as a living sacrifice. Romans uh, 12, 1, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. I mean, that allows us to test and approve God's will, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. All of these are forms of prayer. Those four R's I just mentioned, I want to make a case this morning, they're all prayer. A tangible expression of our love for God. What is this prayer thing? I, I, if you're like me, it, it's, it is a little mystical. Um, Tim Keller says that prayer is the intersection of the mystical and the theological. I love that. There's just something about us abiding with someone that we cannot see. And, and the reality is though that which we cannot see, we have to learn. We have to trust and know God's word. It tells us how do we pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, be joyful always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all things for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The Lord's prayer, acknowledge that he is God in heaven and we are not. He wants it to go well with us. He's worthy of our praise. We need to rest in that provision, in confession and repentance. You know, prayer requires each of us to disengage from this world. That's difficult. The pace that we run at, uh, the, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the pride of life can be a tidal wave sometimes. Can it? That just consume us. And God's saying, just acknowledge me. Stop. Psalm 4610, be still. And know that I am God. Josh, hit that next slide. 
Let's talk a little bit, just I'm going to race through a couple of verses. I'm not going to take them all, but I'm just going to hit a few highlights. James begins the passage just by, in in, uh, verse 13, by just talking about who he's speaking to, the suffering, the cheerful, and the sick. Um, You know, James 1, 2, where believers count it all joy, just harkens back to that. There's nothing in our lives currently or that will ever be there that's a surprise to God. You know, bullet point number one is just an assumption. This is a description of who should pray. It's everybody. God's command is that everyone should pray, the sick. And again, you, there could be double meanings here. It could be weakness, oppression. It could actually mean physical sickness. But here's the key. Sickness can be a sin, but it is not always because of sin. Sickness can be Let me say that again. I I screwed it up at the beginning. Sickness can be because of sin, but it is not always because of sin. Again, soul work. We talked about that. Look, we're an over-medicated, God-denying society. It's just true. We race to the doctor. Um, I'm going to give you an example in my own life where I had the the opportunity to take some medicine for a while. And, and, and I'll just share with you how that manifested itself. But our first pathology, this is Todd's expression, I love it. Our first pathology, this research that we should do, should always be to evaluate our spiritual well-being and then the physical. Heart, mind, and soul first and then body. Among you who have a difficult life, could be disease, it might be sin. You should pray. Do a fearless moral inventory. Don't just run to the doctor. Run to the great physician. Verse 14, elders, leaders in the church, they're known for their spiritual wisdom and maturity. Sometimes, sometimes not. You know, we're all lost. We're all sinful. The scripture assumes that the sick person, whether physically or spiritually sick, should call on the elders of the church. Bullet point number two, just a challenge. Can only elders pray for the sick? Of course not. Of course not. There are four of us here at this church and thousands and thousands of people. It's physically impossible for us to do so. So what do we do? We raise up and we equip the saints. We identify the spiritually mature. We build into them at summit. We encourage them. We sharpen them and say, go be ministers of reconciliation in the gospel and pray for one another. Pray for the manifold wisdom of God. Are you feeling weak, ill, diseased, or just stumbling in your walk with Christ? Call for the spiritually mature. That may be an elder. It could be a staff person, a community coach. But Hebrews 10, 23, and 24 tells us it's those closest to us. Our community, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Don't stop meeting together. This is it. Live in a close community, transparently, authentically, with guys that know your junk. Back up the truck and tell them when you're hurting, what you need prayer on, and how you want to change. Well, it talks about praying over this person, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Look, we know there's nothing magical about oil. But let's acknowledge it can be um, restorative, a soothing balm. Everybody likes a massage. I mean, not everybody. My wife doesn't like them, actually. Well, one person, but sorry. <laughs> They'll cut that out of this, I promise. Sorry. Um, my mind went somewhere else. In the name of the Lord means that it is God, not the oil, who heals, right? 
We know that. There's nothing magic about the anointing of oil. There's nothing magic about the prayer of an elder. The main idea is we are to address this spiritually and medicinally. Keeping in mind there is nothing magical about the ointment itself. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Verse 15, what, what does will save mean? I don't know. I think there's some options here, but let's talk about them. One, it can mean the sick person's physically healed, or the sick person's just going to be forgiven and experience salvation. In the Gospels, we see where Jesus healed both physically and spiritually all the time. It's just rich with those examples. So this, uh, this could be the same double connotation. Healing is always a gift from God. That's what we've got to remember. Physically, spiritually, it's always a gift of God from us or to us from him. He is sovereign over all circumstances. 516, just confession. Man, this is a, this is a tough one for us guys. I don't know about you, but it is for me. Uh, it, 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 it is difficult to confess our sins. But why do we do that? Because he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, a lot of times confession within community, uh, it, it can be what's needed before spiritual or physical healing can take place. It just cleanses us and allows God uh, to give us the opportunity to have him penetrate our hearts and change us from within. Pray for one another is directed to all the readers of James' book, not just let elders. The righteous have great power in prayer. That's what we've just been talking about. Verse 19, it is important to bring a brother back to Christ who wanders from the truth. This is discipleship. This is just living life with other Christians and being with the lost and giving the hope that you have in Christ. Right belief is exhibited in right living. Verse 20, just save his soul from death. It refers not just to physical death, but spiritual death. That's the opportunity we have as Christians. The goal is a timely intervention. You know, what's your responsibility when you see sin in the world? To lean into it. Not confront it angrily, but righteously, faithfully, and boldly. Sharing with people there is a better way than the sin that so easily entangles us. That bullet number three is just the reality. We all need prayer, and we need to unleash its power in our lives. And we need to have the confidence to intervene when we see our brother hurting and wandering. Well, slide five, let me just kind of sum up a few thoughts. Are you praying? Men, are you praying? It's just critical. Is it woven into the fabric of your life? And if not, why not? What are the issues that are just holding you back from uh, experiencing the fullness of your relationship with God that he desires? Are you identifying just some good practical habits? I mean, it takes time. It takes effort and intention. Are you stuck? I mean, I get stuck all the time, and I have to go back to these things. I mean, just a couple of little things. Morning and evening, meals, um, scheduling something. If you have a digital watch pinging you every hour, I mean, if you need those kinds of habits to sustain you and help you, that's great. That's absolutely fantastic. I've had a prayer journal for over 25 years. I'll have 10 days in a row, and then I might take a month off. Not intentionally, but I, I, don't, I don't keep everything here. But what I do is reflect my life with Christ in here. And when I go back, I'm amazed at what God has done. The answers to prayer, the encouragement he gives me. Uh, the dark days with him, I reflect what I'm feeling and thinking and, and how he wants to change me. Um, it is just essential that you begin to put some things in your life that will help you practice the discipline of prayer. 
little thing, just, I call them grab and go prayers. I mean, I'm not a big sit down, honey, let's take 30 minutes. Uh, but I just grab her hand and thank God for her and just pray expectantly about what I hope he does in each of us that day. Grab and go prayers are critical. At least they are for me. Ask a friend how you can be praying for them and share with them something on your heart. Just when you finish a conversation with a buddy, hey, you know, Brett, yesterday we, we had uh, lunch yesterday or two days ago. You know, just what's, what's buzzing around in your head? What, what can we be praying for you? And, and he, the same for me. There is nothing that encourages me more to know that, that Kyle and Brett, Todd, Scotty, uh, Bo, these guys are thinking about what's going on in my life, the struggles I might have today, and interceding on, our, on my behalf. Well, let me give you two things. This is, if you forget everything else we've talked about this morning, remember these two things. This is why you came. This changed my prayer life more than anything uh, yet in my uh, 56 years of, of life and 40 years walking with Christ. Number one, you got to change your view of God. You have to change your view of God. I had to. Maybe you don't. Maybe you understand that he is wonderful counselor, mighty God. Alpha, Omega, the beginning and the end. Maybe you understand he's the great I am. He's the creator of the universe. Maybe you get all that. I need to be reminded of that every day. And here's the, here's the clincher. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to spend time with you individually. He desires to deepen in his fellowship with us. That is a stunning thought once you get your arms around it. It's stunning. It changes everything. And I, I forget it. And then I need to remind myself of it again. I need other people to tell me, hey, you know God, the creator of the universe, wants to spend time with you? Dean, have you done that today? So you've got to change your view of God to enhance your prayer life. And two, you've got to grow your understanding of what prayer is. We've been praying this morning. This is, this is adoration. This is praise. Um, this is thanksgiving. You just use the Acts analogy, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. We've been adoring him. We've been giving him thanks for who he is. The same thing we do over a meal. Uh, I'm going to the LSU-Alabama game with some guys this weekend. I hope I have an attitude of prayer while I celebrate just a fun time hanging out with guys that, that love Jesus and love football. So it is a change in my attitude. Everything I do, if it's not sin, it ought to be praise and prayer in Christ's name. Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I'm gonna go a little quickly here because I'm supposed to wind this up. Hey, prayer is a really big deal to God, so it ought to be a big deal to us. Prayer is a really big deal to God, so it ought to be a big deal to us. Hey, at, at Watermark, we have nine core values, and right smack dab in the middle is number four. We're passionate about prayer, Colossians 4, 2. We can't do all the other values if we don't pray. And so that, that's why you see raising the mark. That's why you see uh, the elders meeting every Friday morning, praying for each other, praying for this body. It is, it is essential to who we are as Christians. Psalm 63, I'm not going to read it. Just spend some time there. I thirst for you. My whole being belongs to you. Is that your experience? Do you thirst for God? That's what prayer is. Because your love is better than life. Verse 3, my lips will glorify you. Do you do that? Man, get after it if you're not. There's, there's so much hope and joy there. Um, are you praying in faith that God will answer? Praying expectantly, believing that he desires to answer prayer? Uh, let me just give you a super quick story. Um, my dad, Duncan McFarlane, was a really good man, okay? 
But uh, he gave me a lot of wonderful qualities, but, but faith in Christ was not one of them. I called him a cheester. He went to church on Christmas and Easter. And, and, but you got to know, there were a lot of great qualities about this guy. And I loved him. I really, I adored him. He's, he was a great, great dad. Um, when I was 30 years old, I learned that my dad had cancer. And a lung cancer, he'd been a smoker his whole life. And he's a good man who'd modeled a bunch of great qualities. I mentioned that already. But we had people praying for him all over the country. But two and a half years later, he was gone. Just like that. I mean, two, two and a half years isn't like that. But to us, it was like that. 61. We were heartbroken. And I had a gut check uh, as a believer. I had to really decide, do I, does all this stuff work when something like this interrupts your life? I had to ask those questions. And God was good. He, you know, the, the, what he did is he was there every day with us as we, we journeyed through that difficult time. And he's been there ever since, as I've grieved repeatedly over the years of the loss of my dad. But we grieve differently. We grieve with hope because of what Christ has done. So God did not answer the prayer for my dad, or did he? Was the answer yes? Was it no? Was it not yet? Or was it just trust me? And for me, it was just trust me. That's what I needed to do in that circumstance. But let me just share that with this, uh, this with you. A few weeks before my dad passed away, he gave his life to Christ as a, a 61-year-old who'd been running from Jesus his whole life. No one can ever tell me that God didn't answer the prayer. He just answered it much, much differently than I ever anticipated. Matthew 21, 22 tells us that whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Well, one of the ways, as I mentioned, that my sin patterns manifested themselves uh, came to roost kind of in the 19, late 1990s and, and 2000. Um, before I tell the story, Bobby, where are you? Bobby, Bobby Crotty? Um, I don't know if my watch is correct. What time is it? I got to land this plane, right? 706. 706. One quick story, and, and uh, I think you guys can identify with this. And there's a lot more here, but you can get the notes later. So uh, I'm sitting in... Um, kind of 2000, in late 99, early 2000, I'm, I'm at gate number seven, LaGuardia, New York, American Airlines flight, uh, leaving, come back to Dallas. And fellas, my, my heart is popping out of my chest. I'm sweating. I'm numb up and down the side of my neck. Um, what else was going on? Just heart racing. I'm, I'm having the big one, Francis. You know, I mean, this, I thought this was it. It, it just sounded and felt exactly like what it heard a heart attack was. And I called my brother, who's a doctor in Virginia. I go, bro, I am, I'm dying here. I think, really, I'm dying. Should I get on this plane? He goes, I don't know. Maybe not. You know, that wasn't that helpful. That wasn't that helpful. But uh, I got on that plane. Why? I wanted to die in Texas, not New York City. Okay? <laughs> if I was going down, I wanted to be in the Lone Star State. It, it, honestly, that's what went through my head, that kind of craziness. But I got home, went through a filled battery of tests. I, I got a clean bill of health. I was fine. I was absolutely fine. What medicine did I need? I needed 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So Christ's power may rest on me. Therefore, in weaknesses and hardships and insults, in uh, difficulties, then I'm weak. For then I'm weak, then I'm strong. 
You know, the, the reality is I needed to understand the grace of God. Did I believe that grace was sufficient for me? Or did Dean need to come to the rescue of his family and friends? I had to learn the hard way that grace is sufficient. Well, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, familiar verse to, to everyone. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, to present your request to God. And what? What happens? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What was the recipe for recovery? Prayer. Resting in who God is. Reading the Psalms. Believing who God is. Giving up control. He is God, I am not. Living, learning, understanding Psalm 46.10. I grew in my practice and understanding the spiritual disciplines of silence and simplicity and surrender. Finally, are you seeking him? Just ask yourself and, and share with a buddy. Hey, I'm not doing great, but I want to get better. Tomorrow's the opportunity for you to deepen in your relationship with Christ and specifically in the discipline of prayer. Romans 14, 12 is a sober reminder. Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. As you look back over the last 10 weeks, do you know Christ better? Are you sharing your story of grace with more purpose, more passion, um, more boldness? Is God changing you? Are you different because of, of your time in James the last 10 or 12 weeks? If not, just, just confess it. Go, Lord, I, I want to be different. I believe your word is true. I know you want to transform me. And I want to pray more regularly. Well, this coming week, my challenge to you is that you live moment by where, a moment of an awareness that the tomb was empty. That God, through the person of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, your life can be different starting today. Your abiding with Christ can be different starting today through prayer. And so I'm just excited that, that you guys have been committed these 10 or 12 weeks. I'm going to kick it to Bobby, Bobby so he can close our morning. Sorry, I, I went over. That is, uh, that's just in our DNA, genetics, you know, from <laughs> Wagner on down. We all go over time. So thank you guys.